Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. You know, I was uh, thinking about the show today, and I was talking to Rebecca, and I said, I, I think I slammed my fist on the desk, and I said, I Friday, I want a guest that is full of joy, wisdom, positivity, brains, and charisma. And she, without skipping a beat, said, well, call Trillia Newbell. I thought, well, that makes sense. So we called Trillia Newbell, and she's going to be on the show in just a minute. Yes, we did. Yes, she is. This is so <laughs> exciting. It is. It's great. And she's contributed to a new book called Uncommon Ground, Living Faithfully in a World of Difference. But she just made a contribution to that book, but she's also got another book coming out herself. I think that one is called Sacred Endurance. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Finding Grace and Strength for a Lasting Faith. So that's what's ahead. We're going to take a little break and bring on Trillia. It's not just information. It's transformation. You just start loving people like crazy and being generous with your time and your money and your energy and invite people over, ask them questions, listen to them, love them, and then you come back and tell me what happens in a couple months. All of my plans, all of my dreams, I down all of my It's this Jesus who lives in me, and he gave me a dislocated heart. Faith Radio. It's the intersection of faith and life. Faith Radio. I've listened because of the talk all, the, all day long, and I listen on my phone now on the Internet, so all the lectures and the speakers are what I listen to. From wake up till shut down, I, I have it on. I listen to many of the programs, in the morning programs, the afternoon programs, and I just find it very uplifting when I listen to it throughout the day. Um, well, for me, I listen on my commute home. Thanks for making us your radio home. Faith Radio. Hope your Friday's going well. So glad you're with me today. I have Trillia Newbell as my guest. She's author of the kids' book, God's Very Good Idea. She also wrote a fantastic Bible study on Romans 8, which I have personally enjoyed a great deal. Um, And then also she's got her new book, Sacred Endurance, Finding Grace and Strength for a Lasting Faith. Trillia, welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Very cool that you made a contribution to Uncommon Ground. I definitely want to hear all about that. It's a collection of different stories. Um, John Inazu and Timothy Keller, Tim Keller, they gathered a group of pretty diverse um, thinkers and writers and songwriters and authors and various backgrounds <laughs> together to contribute to this work. And and so it is a book um, I focus most, mostly on um, reconciliation and what that can look like as ambassadors to Jesus. Awesome. Now I want to hear, if you don't mind, giving us some of the goods on that. Yeah, so most of the contribution that many of us made were our stories, our own stories. So I talked about just some of the hardship that I've experienced from racism, um, mainly was my focus, and how the Lord has given me a love for all nations and um, and a desire to see the reality of Ephesians 2 lived out and walked out that there's one new man and that 
Jesus unites us by his blood. And so I talk about some of the different ways that we can do that from being slow to speak to um, seeking out real relationships and accountability accountability to loving our neighbor and um and and prayer <laughs> i think so often we forget that we need to pray about these very hard topics so that we can love well so those are some of the things yeah i would love to hear some of your um stories on on racism yeah so i have um i Growing up in the South doesn't really matter for this because the human heart is such that you can experience it. So true, yes. Yeah, and so, but I did grow up in the South. That is the context where I was, and and I experienced um, anything from uh, one day I was walking down the street with a a I was a high schooler, and I just happened to be with a white. Uh, my friend, um, who was a male, and a guy drove by and said uh, the N-word and mm-hmm. threw a rock at us. Mm. And so that is one way I've experienced it. I've experienced it from um, kind of people who may not mean to say things that isolate, but um, but asking questions or pulling my hair or things that um, cause me to feel different I've experienced. And so, um, and then to the to the thing where I wasn't allowed, uh, there was a, a country club in our town that where um, up until, gosh, maybe the 90s, they would not allow African-Americans to be a part, that membership. And, and so I couldn't go to various events that my friends would put on because black people weren't allowed in the club. So it's so bizarre. That is so bizarre. Think, yeah. <laughs> it's so mind boggling at this, but this is the, you know, um, gosh, when I say often history, isn't that long ago. Yeah. So when we really think about the Jim Crow era, it wasn't that long ago. Um, I, I'm married to a white male and, interracial marriage wasn't legal um was it 1969 (laughs) so i believe that's when the loving case in the supreme court that's not that long ago Mm -hmm. and so and so when we think about these things um i'm not surprised that i experienced and racism but it's it's still very it was a painful time and just trying to as a young girl especially i figure out where where my place was and um, not quite understanding because I had this um, common love for people like uh, like just as an image bearer I loved people mm-hmm. but and not understanding why why people would hate me based on something so you just so simple as the color of my skin yeah uh, Trillia, where where's the country today on things like interracial marriages? I mean, I know that didn't happen. That, I mean, that wasn't accepted overnight. I mean, that was a couple decades at least, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. At least. <laughs> maybe if not at 30 least. years. Yeah. Oh, yes. Absolutely. I, I, I would say now I don't think that I, – I know my husband and I, depending on where we are. Now, you can go to different places, and that is still quite the issue. As a matter of fact, I get emails and constantly um from people asking me how do they lo- how do they help their christian parents accept their black husband mm. or their 
you know, and so it has been, it's, it is something that is still very ongoing, but I don't think it's, I think it's not necessarily going to be the next generation as deeply. Um, yeah, as generations before, but it's, you know, the heart is wicked. (laughs) And so we have to fight that temptation to racial pride and arrogance, regardless. Uh, um, but I, I would say right now, I don't experience as much tension with interracial marriage. Um, there's loads of tension in this country regarding race in general. Mm-hmm. But with um, interracial marriage, I, I have not – I don't see that with my particular family in my particular town yeah. as, as much. Yeah. So when you were growing up, uh, Trillia, what was it like? What was the educational process that your parents – talked about with you as you were growing up, like you will need to expect something like this and how did they address it? Yeah, such a great question. Um, well, my, my parents experienced deep racism. So, um, and your grandparents and and your grandparents off the charts. Well, yes, I can't even imagine. And so they, (laughs) the reason I think I had this common love desire. I didn't become a Christian until I was age 22. So that's why I keep calling it a common love um, is because my, my, my parents, they just really taught us to love people, to, to see people as um, God created them, even though they wouldn't have used that language. And, and so they, they showed us um, historical facts very early mm-hmm. at, at, at a young age so that we could understand where this, that where where it was coming from or part of where it was coming from. Again, not rooted in the scriptures because we understand that there, that we all fall short of the glory of God. So as sin, Genesis three is really, really where it started, but, but, but where, where we see those roots in our country, they would, sh- they shared us, shared with us history. And so, but I, grew up during the Rodney King riots and I grew up during which if your listeners can look that up later but so I understood kind of innately what the division because I saw it but I also they just taught us okay this is what history had is like this is what you might experience this is how you should respond and a lot of it was we need to we need to forgive and be loving and it will, may take time um but we've we don't want to hate our neighbor. So we've got to figure out, okay, Lord help. Again, it wouldn't have used those words, Lord help, but yeah, help us figure out how do we treat them, how we want to be treated. Mm. I, this makes me think of a verse I started my show with today, uh, which is out of Ephesians chapter four, verse two, it says, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. sounds like that's what you've done your whole life. Um, I wish I could say I, I've done that perfectly my whole life, but, <laughs> <laughs> yes. but, but I have been learning how to do that my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I, yeah, it's been there. There have been moments where I've, I just have failed. And I actually talk about it in this chapter, just a moment when I was so frustrated with someone who commented, I snapped back to them and it did not, it, I of course repented, but it it's just, I have had to ask for forgiveness and repent to the Lord and pray and weep. And, um, which I don't, weeping is not sin, but, but, um, so yeah, I think I, 
it has been a work of the Lord and his kindness and, spe- and the, his spirit to give me grace to love people um, when, but I have, of course, failed. <laughs> oh, yeah, we all do. Yeah, yeah. thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, let me take a short break. Trillia Newbell is my guest and chatting about a book called Uncommon Ground, Living Faithfully in a World of Difference. And she made a nice contribution to that book. And she's got her own books as well. You can always head over to her website. And I'll give you that address in just a minute. We'll be right back. Trillia Newbell is my guest, and it's trillianewbell.com. That's two L's, T-R-I-L-L-I-A-N-E-W-B-E-L-L.com. So, Trillia, let's talk a little bit about um, racial reconciliation. I've been hearing that for 20, 30 years now. How are we doing in that department? It all depends on who you ask. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I would say... Clearly, there is um, work to be work to be done. Um, the cosmic reality is that we are already reconciled. <laughs> We're just not living out what's mm-hmm. already been accomplished by Jesus. That's our that's our reality. Is that once we have placed our faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ, we're brothers and sisters. Um, we are reconciled to God and reconciled to each other. We do not. Um, we have work to do to walk this out faithfully as a church, as a people of God, and um, and so I would say I, I I can't put a grade to it. I would just say that there's work to be done, and we we know this to be true. Um, all we have to do is look at our churches, and we can see that there is um, a divide, and there is a need for um, reconciliation. We can. I don't recommend this, but you can look online and you can see that there's such a divide. And so, and so in the church that shouldn't be, um, but we have such a, our history that, that, uh, in the church that, that we have to work against that, um, but we have God on mm-hmm. our side. And so I believe in the power of the gospel to transform lives and to transform relationships. Mm-hmm. I believe that. I believe horizontal and vertically we can – that there is power there in the gospel. So so I have a lot of hope, but there's a work. And so the question really is, are we willing to do the work? Yeah. So let's, let's just go like to South Dakota and uh, maybe a rural community and there's – a church without maybe an African-American living within 10 miles of the church, and the church has got 200 members, and there's no African-Americans in that church. Are they are they a bad church for not being diverse? Yeah, that's a great question. No. Okay, good. <laughs> so, yeah, so this is the, the idea of the beauty of diversity in the church isn't that you're in sin if you aren't diverse. We, we want heaven, bring heaven to earth, right? Amen. That, yeah, and heaven is diverse, incredibly diverse. So, so we pray for that. Um, we know that God calls called His disciples to go and make disciples of all nations, and so we we desire that for ourselves, and we desire to see our our churches reflect 
um, God, his, his church, right? The church. So that's what we hope. But I, or, and if we don't, I think that's a question. If we don't desire for, for our, to have diversity, even if we, it's difficult to obtain because we live in an area that's pretty homogenous and it's hot. We, we likely won't, but so the question would be, what would we do if that African-American who's 10 miles decided to make that drive right. and come? How, how do we respond to him or her? How do we welcome them? Are they a part of the family? And do they feel that? <laughs> and uh, do they do? And so th- that's what we are going to have to evaluate. Obviously, with um, the, with a church that's uh, homogenous with probably monocultural as well. Mm-hmm. So those are things you'll have to think through. So that's really, I think, the question is about our hearts. Are we um, are we leaning into the possibility? Or are we pushing it away? Um, are we are we praying that the Lord would bring the nations, or are we apathetic? Um, so so those are questions I think we can ask our hearts, even if we live in a place that is majority. Uh, one or the other. Mm-hmm. So, Julia, I would love for you to talk, just and encourage our listeners uh, and give us, you know, hope to run the race well. I know, you know, life has been feeling harder than usual lately, and I know you've probably yeah. been feeling that as well. Um, and it's got a lot of challenges, and but we have yeah. we have the real hope in Jesus. So, absolutely, and you just said it. We, here's the thing: we are not people who we mourn with hope. And so I think first, if you are discouraged and tired and weary, Jesus invites us to come. He says, come to me all who are weary. And so isn't that good news that we aren't alone? He understands. He wept. He was sorrowful. He was a man of sorrow. So he understands our weakness. He understands our sorrows. He understands this crazy pandemic trial that we're in, he gets it. And we have the Psalms and we have Job. We have so much in the scriptures that remind us that God knows, he understands, and he invites us to um, weep and to lament. And and then we look to Jesus. He says he, he's the author and perfecter of our faith. So that's our hope. We set our eyes on him so that we can run this race with endurance. That's the only way I'm getting through is taking my eyes and fixing it on Jesus, reminding myself that he is with me, reminding myself that all of this has an end, has an expiration date. This world isn't our home. We have something wonderful and glorious to look forward to. Um, But while we endure in that kind of already, but not yet, while we endure, we have Jesus. He is with us. God is for us. He is not against us. And so we can trust him even in the the most confusing times, which for many people, this is it. Mm-hmm. And truly, a lot of people, even believers, can see and look ahead and feel that the race ahead has got a lot of dread in it. And that's not a way to live either, is it? Yeah, no. And, and so we don't... <laughs> Thankfully, God doesn't show us everything that's coming. Like, we didn't know in January that by March we'd be shut down. I wonder, we would have probably been lost our minds, right? Totally. And so, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. So he, he doesn't, he says, 
don't go, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worries of their own. He's going to provide for today. He has given us grace for today. We cannot worry about tomorrow. So I wouldn't, we don't fix our eyes on that future. We fix our eyes on Jesus. And that's our only hope. We fix our eyes on our ultimate future and trust him for that and that promise. But we can't, I can't even tell you what tomorrow is going to look like. So I would encourage us. Um, I've heard someone say, don't go borrowing trouble. So <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's what I would encourage you. It, don't look at, don't look for dread that hasn't even happened yet because we don't really know. Only God knows. And so we can trust and rest in him. And so don't go borrowing trouble. Mm-hmm. Trulia, how are we doing with uh, showing respect to people's beliefs that are so different from ours? You know, it all depends on, I, I I would say, on online, we aren't doing great. No, I would say not <laughs> but, either. Yeah. yeah, we're doing pretty terrible. So everyone's going to land all over the map on this. And I just pray that we have a lot of grace for each other. And uh, you kind of, yeah, like what you, you, you said at the top of this hour, that we would bear with one another. This is, we're going to, some people are going to be locked in their homes until December because that is what they want to do. Right. And we want, we want to extend that grace to them. Other people are going to think that they are invincible and fine, and they're not going to wear masks, and we want to have grace for them. Um, and so we can't, the, the question is, do we love our neighbor? So if, if I know my neighbor, it does not, she is going to be, she's very cautious and she is nervous. I'm going to make sure I'm wearing a mask with her. I'm going to make sure that I am six feet away. I'm going to make sure that I'm loving her the best I can, because that is how I'm going to serve that neighbor. And so, so that is just kind of where I'm landing. We're all going to be different. I'm going to not, I'm not going to judge. We've never, we don't know how to handle this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so true. (laughs) So we can't, we can't judge each other. I just think we need to have a lot of grace because we have no clue what we're doing and love our neighbor, which will be oftentimes putting their preferences before ours. Yeah. Boy, this is a time of, of conflict that feels really tough, Um, feels tougher than usual. And we have to figure out ways to... Uh, have humility and love, and just be kind to each other. Yeah, I think so. I yeah. just think that bottom line it. <laughs> no, <laughs> what you said. I agree. Yeah. Well, Julia, yeah. thank you so much for uh, coming on and doing the show today, and nice work oh, with your contribution you. on Uncommon Ground. Thank you so much. I'm all, grateful. It's an all-star lineup. Of, uh, it's a lineup you belong in, too, so thank you. Oh, well, thank you. It's a joy. Yeah, thank you. Trillia Newbell has been my guest. The book she made a contribution to is called Uncommon Ground, Living Faithfully in a World of Difference. You can also go to her website, trillianewbell.com. Trillianewbell, it's two L's, dot com. Take a short break, and we'll be back Fridays with Friends.
after the show, I'm awfully glad on uh, Fridays every occasionally now and then to have uh, Fridays with Friends, where you get to know one of my friends and you get to hear the power of a story because there's nothing quite like the power of a story, and everybody has one. And I hope you are, uh, from time to time, telling your story, sharing your hope and your faith with others. It's an easy way to start a conversation, and people love hearing stories. And uh, my guest, Chris Hoffman, is with me today. Chris lives in the Madison area. Chris, welcome to the show. Hi, Bill. Thanks for having me. Oh, you kidding? This is great. Now, I know that you uh, grew up in a kind of a religious, spiritual home, didn't you? I did. I did. Um, my my parents were, um, you know, we went to church every Sunday, and, and uh, you know, faith was definitely a, a big part of our family life, and, you know, um, but in, a, in kind of the mainline Protestant way, I think, uh, of the of the seventies and eighties. Um, you know, my mother's father was a, a Presbyterian minister in, um, in Springfield, Illinois, uh, for many years. And, and, uh, he was a pretty influential man in his community. And it actually, uh, was the, uh, I don't think I've told you this before, but he was the religious advisor for Adley Stevenson at first, <laughs> when Adley Stevenson wow. was running for president in the 50s. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, it was definitely cool. Um, but my mother and father, yeah, very, very faithful people. Um, uh, you know, there was different people in our family. I, I think I had mentioned that my uh, my brother was kind of the rebel and uh, was the one who, uh, when we had church or had to go to church, he would be sitting in the back row of the of the you know the balcony doing his homework <laughs> yeah but i was as a middle child i <laughs> yeah exactly as the middle child i wanted to please my parents so i i um i was the one who you know really took to church and and you know was involved in all the youth groups and confirmation and all that kind of stuff and really really did have a good experience you know growing up in the church and you know all throughout my you know middle school and high school years and so forth so was church life also a nice social outlet for you as well? Did you find friends there and 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 fellowship there as well? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It was a good group of a good group of kids. You know, I had I had girlfriends that came out of the group, um, so that's always a bonus. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, Especially yeah, the was, ones that like was, you. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I mean, just good people. So yeah. I, I, I enjoyed that. Yeah. And Chris, how was faith talked about growing up around the dinner table? Was it was there always an opening prayer before a meal? Was there discussion and dialogue, or was it just something that you talked about on Sunday? You know, the, we we always prayed before meals, but I, I don't really recall a, a lot of talk about religion during the week. It was really kind of a more of a Sunday thing. I mean, I think there was uh, my parents had some some devotionals that they were doing, but you know, it wasn't really. Again, it was, it was more of sort of the, the mainline Protestant, uh, I think, approach. I don't want to generalize right. for everybody, but I wouldn't say that the Bible was, was front and center. There wasn't people reciting Bible verses or anything like that. It was a, it was a book that was there, but I, it wasn't a, a mainstay of, of daily life in the family. I believe that they, they were thinking about it, but I just think that was the way that they were, they were raised and, and um, you know, kind of in mainstream culture. So no, no, um, I, I hear you speaking with nothing but respect for your parents, which is lovely, and and I think that is, is the story of many, many, many people that had a religious and spiritual upbringing, yet it wasn't really discussed openly and frequently as it might be, you know, in today. So very honoring yeah, I, to your family in that regard. 
and I, and I would have to mention the influence of my grandmother, who who was was married to the the Presbyterian pastor. I mean, she was she was a huge blessing in my my life, and and um, she became a widow. And um, starting probably when I was about seven or eight, I started staying with her in the summer up at our at their one season um, family cabin up in northern Wisconsin. And kind of as the story goes, we would go up for a family vacation for a week. And then my mom says, I volunteered to stay with grandma, you know, for the rest of the summer. I'm sure I was <laughs> convinced somehow, but mm-hmm. it was, I guess it was somewhat unusual that I was comfortable enough at that at that age to stay by myself. But that was a incredible a time. And, and she was she was a very she was a very spiritual person uh, and and, you know, had a had a deep faith. And it was just an incredible model of kindness and morality. Um, I, I just, I, it was such a blessing. And I, and I got to, you know, she, she passed when I was, you know, in my early 20s. We had a very special relationship mm-hmm. and, and uh, it, it, it impacted me a lot. And she yeah. was also, <clears throat> she was also just someone who, who lived very simply and, you know, just got a lot out of, uh, again, we lived in this, this cabin was nothing special. It was an old hunting shack, but we just had so many good times up there as a family and, and, and just, uh, just, just doing the simple things, you yeah. know, reading books, you know, we had, we had no TV, we had the lake. Uh, it was just a real simple existence. It was kind of like, you know, like living out on Walden Pond, I guess. Um, <laughs> Sounds pretty nice, and, actually. Uh, that, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was very formative for me. Yeah. So let's springboard into like early adulthood. Did you uh, Mm -hmm. stay consistent with being interested in faith or did you start to wander and have a a season of being a prodigal? I uh, definitely moved away from it. I I went to college, uh, you know, small liberal arts college for my first couple of years in school. They had a program called Freshman Studies where every freshman was reading the same book at the same time all across the campus. So, I mean, we start off, you know, you start off with, um, I think the first book we read was Plato's Republic, learning about the the parable, you know, the, the parable of the cave, mm-hmm. right? You know, the parable of the cave, which is the famous parable from the Republic of, you know, that's talking about, you know, people, you know, living in a, a world of illusion because that's the only world that they know. What happens when you come out of that world of illusion, how you reject, you know, what might be the truth. And we read, um, you know, Frederick Nietzsche. Beyond Good and Evil, and and a bunch of other a bunch of other books, but that was an incredible experience. It opened my eyes. It, I mean, it's in and part of obviously what a that type of education is. It's it's meant to make you question pretty much you know everything that you thought was true. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, and and I think and that's and, and and that could be a good thing. I mean, I actually remember um, writing a paper, and I was actually trying to tie back some Christian metaphors about, you know, Jesus being the light of the world. <laughs> I remember I just got hammered in the paper um, by the professor. And, you know, I thought I thought I was being quite, you know, clever and, you know, <laughs> pulling this stuff together, pulling this right. and, and he just like, you know, you're, you're just, you're way off here. You're just way, you're way, way off here. So, you know, you get into that, that world and I, and you know, obviously the people that you're meeting and you know, obviously don't have the same backgrounds and the same beliefs and you're you're getting you know getting exposed to all these new ideas and um yeah i i i just stopped you know i started to 
started really to question um, what my beliefs were, what my faith was. Um, but I, you know, I, I continue to have an interest, but I, you know, as I got out of college and, you know, got into the working world, I, you know, I just decided I was more just to going to continue to pursue philosophy and literature. You know, what, what sort of made more sense to me was, uh, maybe the, you know, unitary universalism. I, I kind of, you know, sometimes would go to that church, but, you know, as far as Christianity was concerned, you know, it really wasn't part of my life, you know, in terms of any, in any active sense. Mm-hmm. And then how many years would stack up with that thinking would be 10, 20 years? Yeah, I'd say, I'd say about that. I mean, I think I, I continued to, you know, have an interest in it. And I, and I would have, you know, from time to time, different people would pop up into my life. There was a, uh, actually a pastor who, um, you know, I was in sales and I, I sold, I sold, uh, something to his church and, um, and somehow we got to talking about things and he invited me to a, to a men's group. And I, I attended, this was probably in my early twenties and, you know, we continued to correspond and get together over the years. And he gave me, you know, we would, he would recommend books and we would meet. And, uh, you know, and then, and then I think once, once we, uh, I got married, um, and my wife had, had a, I had our first child. We, we started to go to a, a church in the, t- in the town that we lived and we, we liked it. It was, a um, United Church of Christ church. Um, and you know, we, we liked that. I mean, there was some, there's some, uh, some thoughtful, thoughtful people there. Uh, we kind of liked that pers- this perspective that they had. Um, and, um, you know, I think that that was, that was a good place for us, but then we, you know, we, we moved and that was part of what was going on was we, you know, we were moving around a lot because of my work. So we were never really able, really able to get, settled in any uh, one community for very long in, in, in any one church. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that you are attracted to the church and the and the concept of community, and now you're raising a family, so you want to be connected at that level, but maybe mm-hmm. not uh, quite engaged uh, with Jesus as uh, a Lord and Savior kind of thing, right? That's totally right. Yeah, yeah that's right. exactly right. Yeah, right, Chris. Let, was... me ta- let me take just a little break. Chris Hoffman is my guest. You're listening to Friday with Friends, and I enjoy this so much, so I'll take a very short break and be right back. show. So glad to have Chris Hoffman as my guest today. Friday with friends, I always enjoy the power of a story. And if you uh, have not told your story to someone in a while, you got to get out and do it because stories make a big difference and stories influence and stories uh, can motivate and inspire. 
and people love a story. And we're hearing Chris's today. So, Chris, when, right before we went to break, we were hearing about uh, you kind of coming alongside churches, going to churches, starting a family. You wanted to kind of associate with a church and a church environment, but you maybe spiritually weren't really uh, at right with God yet. Yeah, I, I think I was. Um, yeah, I, that's absolutely right. I mean, I just I conceptually understood the value of the community, and I. I obviously, having been grown up in that community, I, I saw the benefits. I really think I missed the community more than anything else, um, and and so wanted to be part of that kind of community again. Wanted my 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 son to be part of that community. Just really, you know, that that fellowship component of it. But at the same time, I was I still had a lot of doubts about, you know if this was real, you know, if this was something that I could, you know, really believe in and, and base my life off of. And, um, and that's what I, I think I, you know, I really started to say, I, I, I've got to figure this out and I've got to, I've got to make a, a determination on this because, you know, if what I'm reading is true, this should really change my life mm-hmm. and, and change everything about who I am and what I'm doing. And, and I wasn't really feeling at that, at that level. And so, you know, and around that time, um, there was this, uh, this uh, new technology that, that uh, was sort of popping up uh, called podcasts. And, and um, I, that was something that was really uh, allowed me to, to, to delve into these questions at a level I've never had before mm-hmm. because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a, you know, I, I love to read and I like to spend as much time reading as I possibly can. But, um, you know, like a lot of people, by the time, the time I get to read is like in the evening, um, you know, now, now more so in the mornings, but back then it was in the evenings and, you know, I was, I, would, I couldn't read for too long, but with these podcasts, boy, I could listen to stuff when I'm driving to work when I'm, you know, doing, you know, work around the home, um, I could always be listening and learning to stuff. And there was all this incredible content out there um, on uh, apologetics, uh, which I'd never even heard that term before, apologetics. Mm-hmm. So that, that was completely new to me. And there was a, there's a great show um, in the UK called Unbelievable uh, with this guy named Justin Briley. Are you familiar with that one? I do Bill? know him, yeah. Yeah. So he's, that's an apologetic show and where he has, you know, Christians and atheists, mm-hmm. you know, basically kind of coming together and debating. And that was all good stuff to, to look at, too. And I think at one point I finally felt like I had heard enough where I was ready just to say, OK, I, th- I think I can sort of put this to bed. And, and and it was really kind of around the problem of evil. And I just felt that there wasn't going to be an, an adequate answer to the, the problem of evil and, and decide that I was, you know, just going to be a, a, a non-believer, but um, that didn't happen. I <laughs> got know, other plans. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I love the I love the story you told me that you were kind of restless at your desk and you thought I need need to go out and get a cup of coffee and you thought no I better stay working and then no I better go get coffee which is always the right decision, by the way, to go get coffee. <laughs> that's right. And then you jump in your car and you turn on Faith Radio and you're listening to Susie Larson talked to John Ortberg, and he's referencing Dallas Willard. So you went and started looking up Dallas Willard. Yeah, and, and, and before I tell that story, I mean, the, one, the part that sort of preceded that, though, 
was I changed jobs, went to work for the company I'm working for now, which is a, a marketing firm based up in in the uh, Minneapolis area. And that, that company is led by you know uh, our leader there is uh, somebody you know very well and a very strong Christian, you know, but somebody who is just you know doesn't doesn't push his his beliefs on anybody, but he just he just embodies kind of uh, what I would see as a uh, you know see as a you know, a, a Christian, a great Christian life, mm-hmm. a great Christian example. I would agree. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and so, you know, we, we had had several kind of just conversations about this off and on, but there was, there was one evening where he and I were having dinner. And um, at, at that point I was, I was really feeling, uh, you know, an increased level of anxiety and, you know, just kind of, asking myself a lot of sort of existential questions about, you know, what, what, what am I really doing here? I mean, what, what's the point of all that? What's the point of life? What's the point of all this? And, and, you know, we, and I just asked him the question, I, you know, he had said something. Uh, and, and I just asked the question about, you know, what was your faith journey? And, um, and his eyes, his eyes lit up and, and, uh, <laughs> that's my boy. And, <laughs> And he, you know, he, um, he kind of laid it out. He told his story and, and then he, you know, kind of drew this, this picture for me. He literally on the back of a napkin, uh, drew a picture of, uh, you know, the self-centered life and the Christ-centered life. And, and it made me realize that, you know, the way I had been approaching this question, this, this seeking had been, had been just not, was not going to be productive in the end. I, I, I could not approach it from the outside as an intellectual question, but I had to try to approach it from the inside. And so he really encouraged me to, to, to pick up the Bible, you know, pick up the Bible, start to pray, start to do some things differently and that um, the answers would come. And, you know, and that kind of brings me to that, what you were alluding to, which was, I did start to do that. I did start to read the Bible and I was, um, you know, and I was doing a lot of, when I was reading the Bible, I was kind of reading it as a skeptic. I was doing a lot of highlighting yellow for stuff that looked good, pink for stuff that looked, you know, like, what does this mean? This is questionable. Um, and so I had a lot of pink stuff. Um, and, and that Bible, as I was reading through the, you know, I was reading through the New Testament. And, um, and I, and so I was, you know, I was making progress, but I was still, you know, not, you know, not, not no answers were coming. And, and then, uh, there was that kind of fateful, that fateful day. I look back on it, and and um, yeah, I was in my office, and and um, I, I just suddenly felt like <laughs> compelled to to say, I felt like a voice saying, you know, go go get a cup of coffee. I'm like, why, why do I need to go get a cup of coffee right now? You know, go. And I, I, I literally, I, I felt felt like I was going to sort of push out the door, mm-hmm. and I had a member of like getting into my car. I'm like, why am I? why am I going to get this cup of coffee right now? And I got in my car and I, as I started driving out of our, the, the parking lot, I, I turned on, I turned on the radio. I turned tuned to faith radio. Um, and yeah, and I heard uh, Susie Larson talking to John Ortberg and, um, and I, it was immediately, it wasn't like the beginning of the conversation It was about midway through, but you know, then they started talking about Dallas Willard's influence on on John uh, John Ortberg's ministry and and thinking, 
And, um, you know, I heard, you know, heard about this Dallas Willard, this professor of philosophy at USC. And, and I was very intrigued, but I, and I, I remember, I, you know, I, I got to the coffee place and I didn't get out of the car cause I was just listening. And it actually, I, uh, in preparation for this conversation, I went back and listened to that episode and I remember, and I, I actually just wrote this down because what, because what John said is he said, uh, he said, there's someone listening right now and Jesus is in this conversation is present to you and is loving you and is speaking to you and your experiences in your heart and your mind right now. And that is Jesus. And he is always breaking forth in unexpected ways. And, uh, you know, that moment, it was uh, an emotional moment because it was, I was like, wow, I mean, this is, this is something that's actually happening in real time. <laughs> um, you know, I went from there and, you know, I looked up, I went right back to work and I looked up Dallas Willard and, and, you know, found out, wow, he's a guy, he's actually a guy who went to, got his PhD at Wisconsin in philosophy, um, but that, know, at Wheaton College and yeah. Biola and, and but, other places. But that, that felt like your day, didn't it? Yeah, that was a that was a big turning point because mm-hmm. um you know I then I started to get into his books and and for someone like me who you know studied philosophy and really kind of needed this sort of more of a and I'm not I don't want to be you know, patting myself on the back but just needed this more of this intellectual approach to it you know what he was saying and the way he said it uh and you know coming from a guy who you know had he was, he was teaching at a secular university. He had read everything in philosophy. He had read all the great thinkers. And here he is, this incredibly strong Christian. And, you know, the, you know, the, and the way he was articulating the way, in particular, I mean, his, his idea of the kingdom of God being something that we can live and experience right now. And mm-hmm. it's available to all of us right now if we will you know, put our trust and confidence in Jesus was, you know, just the message I needed to hear. Um, and then along with that, just, you know, there's so many other things about, uh, you know, his, uh, you know, his laying out of his book, The Spirit of the Disciplines, really a way of, of approaching, um, approaching the faith and um, leaning in through these, these practices practices of study, solitude, um, you know, reading the Bible, mm-hmm. prayer, um, service, you know, you know, even fasting, you know, scripture memorization. I mean, for me, it just, it's like, it's like a methodology. It's a way of, of getting there. And, um, so those are all things that, that, uh, you know, uh, you know, dovetail with the way I like to approach things and, um, have been very, very helpful to me. Um, and been life-changing, I'd say. Yeah, indeed. Nothing like the gospel to transform a life, right, Chris? That's right. Yeah. Well, it's been just great hearing your story. Thank you so much for coming on the program. It's always uh, good to connect with friends, and and I know listeners love the power of a story. So thank you so much. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate it. Special thanks to Fridays with Friends, Chris Hoffman, and uh, Trillia Newbell, and, of course, Lee Strobel. Really been a great day. Thank you so much for listening, for supporting Faith Radio. I hope you have a wonderful Memorial Weekend. Uh, That concludes uh, the show for the weekend. Of course, it's time to ring the bell. Have a great weekend.
Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.